We are edging closer and closer to our local elections. Early voting starts next week. And each day as we get closer, you'll hear from a group of candidates in one of the local races right here on air, our air on 97.9 The Hill as the candidates introduce themselves in their own words. We welcome them into our studios, ask them a series of questions pertaining to their campaign, and they were limited in how long they could discuss each issue. We're trying to keep them all around five minutes, but you can head to chapelboro.com and find links to each candidate's campaign website. You can find the questions we asked and all of the candidate intros that have aired so far. Continuing to hear from Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools Board of Education candidates today, that was Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools Board of Education candidate Barbara Fetters. And earlier in the show, we heard from Dion Timney and Honoria Madeau. You can find all the candidates for those offices and for several others by visiting chapelboro.com. And all the candidates for local office will have their introductions posted by the early voting period. So check back often to find more information about the upcoming election. More election news now. The Daily Tar Heel reporting today that the nonprofit group The Friends of Bowling Creek may have held an illegal candidate forum. Organizers of the event deny the claim. They did hold an event at Umstead Park on September 24th. The only candidates at the event were Adam Searing and the council members or the council candidates he's endorsed. David Adams, Breckany Eckhart, Elizabeth Sharp, and Renuka Soul. Federal tax code says that nonprofit groups are required to provide, quote, an equal opportunity for participation to all viable candidates seeking the same office, end quote. You can learn more in the article at dailytarheel.com. Keeping it with local elections, a Triangle Blog Blog released their endorsements for the Carborough Town Council race. They've endorsed the slate of Jason Merrill, Eliazar Posada, and Catherine Frey. Turning to state politics now, we saw a whole slew of veto overrides yesterday in Raleigh, five in total, including sweeping changes to appointments, stripping the governor of power, and granting it to the state legislature. Definitely going to be asking Robert Reeves about that here shortly and Robert's rules. Meanwhile, several House Democrats, including local representative Renee Price, walked out of the vote on a resolution to support Israel after the Hamas attacks over the weekend. Some lighter items to close out the news here tomorrow is University Day. It's the 230th anniversary of the university's founding. That means that there will be no classes for students tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow is also the start of the North Carolina State Fair in Raleigh. Turning now to Carolina Connection for some news that's pretty much national news that funnels down into a local story. In the last two weeks, the Writers Guild for America, or WGA, reached a tentative agreement to end its 148-day strike against television and film production companies. The strike contributed to a stoppage of production and distribution across the country and a turbulent time for the content creation industry. While most of the strike did play out in Hollywood near those production companies, some members of the UNC community were also affected by the shutdown, and Carolina Connections' Samantha Hoffman recently shared some of those stories. On May 2nd, 98% of WGA's nearly 12,000 members voted to strike to raise pay and protect themselves from generative AI and the changing streaming landscape. UNC senior Haley Van Ray joined the pickets in LA this summer and said there was a positive feeling of community. You know, there's all kinds of people out there 
We were striking outside like studios, so I went outside Netflix and Warner Bros and Paramount, making some noise. They could hear us inside at some of the places, and you would hear cars honking in support, so that it would also, you know, make a make a statement to the execs that are inside. Van Ray was participating in the UNC Hollywood Internship Program, a program launching students to entertainment careers. Van Ray is an aspiring screenwriter and said she had work experiences cut down in length and content due to the strike. There wasn't enough work for interns. I mean, it's already hard in general to find the types of jobs that I would like, ideally. And being in North Carolina, that's reduced even more. And then with the strike that like limits things to a, another level. Joy Goodwin, the director of the Writing for Screen and Stage program at UNC, says from her own experience in Hollywood, she saw a strike coming. And if you talk to writers, especially TV writers in LA, they will tell you that this was essentially like an existential moment for screenwriting, that if they didn't stand firm and try to get better contracts, it was going to become financially impossible to remain a screenwriter. Goodwin added that though the decision to strike was nearly unanimous for writers on the Guild, independent filmmakers and crew were sacrificed. All the crew has had to stop working because the writers and actors have been on strike. So there is disagreement, I would say, among people about whether this long strike was ultimately worth it. On September 27th, WGA reached a tentative agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers that raises writer compensation requires studios to disclose use of generative AI, and increases the required number of employees in writers' rooms. While members still have to ratify it, WGA is optimistic. Part of the deal increases the required number of writers per series to address concerns about writers overworking or being easily replaced. UNC screenwriting professor Michael Acosta, who was working on a film when strikes began, says though that's legitimate, the solution should be dependent on individual studios' needs. As a showrunner, I would want the option to have the size of the room that I want. And, you know, what does the show need? The entertainment industry has seen an influx of content due to the rise of streaming services. However, this has also brought wage deflation and lower residuals from streaming than cable programming. Writers are getting paid less per job due to shorter seasons and aren't sharing as much profit even if their show dominates the service. And no one knows where the money is. Somebody has it. There's money being generated. And why isn't it being cut up fairly? While student Van Ray feels more motivated about her career in screenwriting as a financially viable opportunity, and many jobs are now protected from AI generation, Acosta says the increase in wages and requirements may exclude new writers rather than introduce them. So what I think they'll probably do is give the concessions to the WGA and then they'll just cut the amount of shows that they do. In aggregate, we may lose, you know, writer positions because of that, which sucks. In Chapel Hill, I'm Samantha Hoffman. Carolina Connection is a student-produced radio newscast from the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media you want to hear more stories from campus or about the Carolina community, be sure to tune in Saturday mornings at 8.30 throughout the fall semester right here on 97.9 The Hill. Sun Talk Sports now, and in the world of sports, we start with a pretty pleasant soccer score from last night. 
Men's team got another victory. They outmatched Florida Gulf Coast 3-0. Congratulations on the win. The other big event, of course, that we've got coming up is the football game this weekend. Saturday, Miami's coming to town. They're going to take on the now number 12 Carolina football team on Saturday night. Hurricanes bringing the best offense the Tar Heels have seen so far this season, and it's not even close. Miami ranks seventh in the country in total offense, two spots ahead of UNC. Here's what Carolina defensive coordinator Gene Chizik had to say about what makes the Canes so effective. The quarterback is extremely comfortable in this offense. You can tell he gets the ball out fast. He's got great receivers that you can distribute the ball to with a lot of speed, some, some with a lot of size, some with a lot of speed, but there's a good mixture in there. And then he's got a stable of running backs that are really good. So it's not that they're one-dimensional in any way, shape, or form. They run it for over 200, you know, and they throw it for almost 300. So they're just really good at what they do, but I think it's the execution of the offense. They're, they're averaging close to 40 points a game, and that's, that's a lot of offense. That's a lot of production. So I think... Uh, the changes that they made in the offensive structure really suit the quarterback, but he gets the ball out fast. He's got great targets to get the ball out. Um, the offensive line's done a great job. They've only given up five sacks in five games, uh, and that's hard to do this day and age, but it's a combination of them playing really well, even though there's some new guys up there, uh, and him getting the ball out fast because he feels comfortable in the offense. So I think that's why they're stressing defenses. And so it's uh, they've got, as you, as you know, they're going to always have great athletes and great players, and they've got those, but they're also executing at a high level. UNC defensive coordinator Gene Chizik speaking there, giving a breakdown of Miami. For more coverage of Carolina football, go to chapelboro.com. A little bit more sports coverage for you. Two UNC women's basketball freshmen are redshirting. They both sustained injuries in high school that have not yet recovered fully. That's Layla Hull and Sierra Toomey will both have all of their eligibility starting next year, and they are out for the rest of this season. Coming up on Friday, we've also got live action with Carolina basketball. It's going to be at the Smith Center, and in addition to your first glimpse of the men's and women's teams, it will be your first glimpse of the upgraded lighting at the Smith Center. They got new game lights, new spotlights, new laser projection units, and additional technological upgrades to enhance the fan experience. Definitely looking forward to it.